Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Blizzard's Greatest Games podcast brought to you by Outset Studios in Bonnie, South Wimbledon. Uh, I am Marcus Speller and Jonathan Wilson, of course, is here, the man behind the Blizzard. And today joining us is Ian Hawkey. Now, in this podcast, we look back at some of the greatest games uh, in the history of football, certainly some games that have uh, caught the imagination uh, and have an interesting story surrounding them, or, or backstory at least. So today, gentlemen... We're looking at the Copa del Rey final of 2004. Our guest Ian has chosen this game. Immediately, I think, uh, Beckham, Galacticos and whatnot. But uh, Ian, why have you chosen this game? Um, it, it's partly that. It was a, an important episode in the story of Real Madrid at the beginning of this century, which was a big story. And Real Madrid projected it as a very big story. Um, but this was... It, it it was a fantastic game, which we'll get to. But it was it it took place at a very emotionally charged time. Um, the final um, was scheduled for six days after the Madrid bombings, which were obviously mm-hmm. a, a terrible event for for all of us anywhere in the world. Um, and it 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 certainly obviously affected the whole of Spain. And this was um, the cup final. Is a cup final like anywhere? It's a sort of national celebration event and you could feel the tension the release the desire for a successful event after after all the sadness um and it involved a team from the team that represents madrid you know which was the city affected by this it took place in barcelona as well which is which is always there's always a little bit of tension around the the copa del rey final if it's in Barcelona or involves Barcelona club. This one didn't involve Barcelona club, but it was taking place at the biggest, if you like, status symbol stadium in Catalonia, which is the Olympic Stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, the king goes there, otherwise it wouldn't be the Copa del Rey, and, and sometimes the national anthem is, is booed if Barcelona are involved. So all these things mm-hmm. key into the cup final. On this occasion, they didn't. There was, you know, this this was more serious. Spain was in absolutely national mourning. And for Spain to do anything nationally is quite a big deal. So there was a march um, in Barcelona on the Saturday in, in, uh, to express unity with Madrid, which w- was its own powerful statement. Mm-hmm. And where would Zaragoza fit in that sort of internal dynamic of Spain? Uh, that's a good question. Um, f- you know, fiercely proud of being from Aragon, so very much like most regions of Spain, proud of their own identity, but not not ostentatiously anti-central in the way that, say, Bilbao or Barcelona is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but yes, um, and clearly this was a big occasion for them, lots of Aragonese flags in the stadium and, and so on. And Real Madrid represent for them, like anyone else from the, from the regions, you know, a powerful enemy in which you take up a sort of underdog position and it's all the better mm. you can pull something off yeah and it, you know as, as an Englishman one can you know forget the politics and whatnot of Spain but of course when you say that it all comes it all comes uh, back to memory but also Jonathan as Ian saying in the context of the Madrid bombings and so on amazing sort of um, I suppose significance or, or the uh, the eyes of, of the whole country maybe even much wider in Europe and the world were on this final. Yeah I, mean, I think you see that fairly frequently after you have terror attacks or, or natural disasters that the yeah I think the word you, mean, you use the word release and I think yeah certainly I remember being in Angola after the terror attack on the Togo team 
and that Angola Mali game, the opening game of that of that Cup of Nations in two thousand ten, which would have been four days after the attack, I think. And just the fact that that went off without a hitch was such a relief to everybody there. And and so I, I think that's where you you know it's very easy to talk about the symbolic role of sport. But I, I think something like this, it actually has a, um, a role that's more than symbol symbolism. It shows that kind of things are still functioning, that, that the country is still working and people are still able to to put on an event together. Yeah, and, and th- that what you said earlier there, Ian, about the statement of in Barcelona having a march in solidarity in Madrid, that's huge, isn't it, really? Uh, absolutely, it was. It was, it, was, it was a very, very powerful um, event, that... And and even um, I mean my my own experience of this was um, I'd been at Real Madrid against Bayern Munich on the when previous Wednesday night they'd uh, they'd won they played very well and I had my I was living in Barcelona and that was what last sixteen of a yes that's team. right yes yeah um, uh, I had a train back to Barcelona the next morning um, I was running a little bit late I was running towards Atocha station for the train a policeman tried to hold me up. I didn't know what was going on. I got a little bit shirty. And then I realised why the policeman was holding me up. Yes. Because mm. several trains coming in and out of the station had been bombed. My goodness. So that was the, the kind of background, really, for this game, which was quite an extraordinary final. But, of course, the other, um, you know, if we're concentrating on the football, this was a Real Madrid side, and we know the pomp and facade of Real Madrid and the grandeur and the splendour of them. But this was them in, in full flow, really. The Galacticos, the big names coming in, as I say, Beckham was there and, and so on. And this was a team who were playing wonderful football, certainly for the first half of that season in Beckham's first year there. Yeah, absolutely. They were, I mean, it, it was it was a big cup final globally anyway because mm-hmm. because this was Real Madrid in their absolute superstar concentration. So I'll just give you um, the midfield. So we had Beckham, <laughs> Figo, Zidane. Okay, we had Raúl up front. There was there was a there were two conspicuous absentees. I would say, which I think will will have a bearing on this. Uh, Ronaldo, that's Ronaldo phenomenal. That's mm-hmm. you know, Brazil's Ronaldo. He was injured, um, and he sat in the stand, wasn't he? he was that's there, right? Yes, he was. He was sitting there in the stand, um, showing showing his you know, unity on this big occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, and Casillas, uh, because it was a cup game, gave way. Cesar Sanchez, who was a distinguished mm-hmm. Spain international, got the cup games in goal. Um, so I've, I've given you the, the the front five or six of the team. Let's uh, look uh, at the, the Solari as well. Santi Solari. Yeah, Santi Solari came in for for Ronaldo. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so and, and I'll just give you I'll give you the players behind them and then I'll ask you to play spot the central defender <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we have Michel Salgado mm-hmm. um, Raul Bravo Ivan Helguera Roberto Carlos and Guti yeah, yeah. So well there's two centre backs there but there's not much of a central midfield there I mean there? I'll, well, I'll pin the tail on Ivan Helguera yes who is a who if he walked in here now would tell you at great length I'm a midfield player <laughs> please <laughs> I'm not sure uh, we were yes, not along yeah um, I mean, how would Raul Bravo see himself as a, a left back as, as a footballer yeah. <laughs> very fortunate to be there quite frankly yes. he was looking forward to the peak of his career with Leeds United <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and Salgado at Blackburn Rovers presumably yes yes. So Salgado uh, uh, at least you could say this is you know, this is a this is a, a defender sure in, in well he put in a proper defender's thing. challenge early on didn't he a really kind Absolutely. of horrendous yes. tackle yeah. <laughs> but I mean you, you're right that 
the midfield, and obviously Ronaldo wasn't playing, he was in the stands. But just, it, it was something else as a fan to see those players all assemble. I mean, it was like an Avengers assemble, wasn't it really? All, all in there. Um, but they lost the game. Yes, yes. Um, and, 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 you know, there, there was some great football for Real Madrid. Mm-hmm. There really was. They, they started in command, as you'd anticipate. Um, and, you know, they, 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 had, they knew how to make the best in phases of what you know, slightly unbalanced look. So Beckham was a central midfielder because Figo was obviously mm-hmm. outside right. Uh, Guti was the, the deepest midfielder. Now Guti is a number 10, you know, mm-hmm. um, certainly. But he was, you know, he had, to, he had to fit in. He was a sub-galactico, so he got told <laughs> what to do. Um, he was never thought of playing Cambiasso. It can be also that season was a bit of a because obviously Makalele's left. Yes, they, so. yes, the, yeah. I mean, the, the background to the assembly of this this sort of peak Galactico is mm-hmm. Claude Makalele leaving in a huff at the beginning of in the summer once Beckham's arrived and uh-huh. some fairly well reported stories about Beckham's salary have been. Um, Spread around the uh, rest of the squad. But there was that quote from Zidane about, you know, Perez has, was he bought the Rolls Royce or the BMW, something like that, but sold the engine. Yes. In, yeah, uh, yeah. in, in Makaleli. And yeah, and yeah they, they did look bereft of, you know, not even Thomas Gravison could, could later <laughs> come along and. and well, yeah, yes, well, there are all sorts of attempted solutions in, <laughs> in the later stages of the make, do, and mend for the Galactico product. Yeah. But going back to the game, I, I remember Beckham got it underway with that wonderful free kick. El hombre que casi le falta talonar, ahí está el inglés, chuta beca, gol, 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 I, I didn't quite appreciate what a good footballer Beckham was. But the, all the other stuff yeah. got in the way. Yeah. That free kick, he's, what, 30 yards out? Mm. Uh, maybe 28 or something, but it's mm-hmm. definitely more than 25. Yeah. Yeah. He hits it really hard. And it hits inside the post on the way in. Yeah, yes, it's a genuinely brilliant yeah, goal. Yeah. It's it, and it was. I mean, you know, Beckham could, and you need to be in a way quite robotic about free kicks when it's your specialism. But he he d- he did something different. I mean, the distance was very ambitious, and he really ran into that. You know, mm-hmm. and he really thumped it, and kept all his other skills. You know, the talk, the curve. Yeah, I mean, do you fabulous. think? I mean, this almost seems a ridiculous question. Do you think he had any sort of status anxiety in that side? Was there any kind of imposter syndrome with him? Um, I, I, you know, he's he's a he's a fairly self confident guy, but he's also he he was a realist that um, th- there was stuff that the others could do on the ball, which he's never going to be able to do. There was an anecdotal story, which I think is, is uh, I've heard it from enough sources that. They they were doing something in the dressing room, perhaps from a magazine or a television program, something about um, you know your favourite goals, and um, you know Ronaldo described some slalom from his own half and you know Zidane, some pirouette before he puts the ball in or something, yeah. and Beckham you know very candidly s- described a free kick to which apparently the <laughs> South Americans above all. Looked at him askance. It's <laughs> not a goal. That's, that's sort of cheating. Yes, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say the yeah. uh, the halfway yeah. line goal against Neil Sullivan. Yeah. You know. but, I mean, you look at that mm. side. There's plenty of people who can take free kicks in that side. Well, yeah, yeah. Zidane, Figo, yeah. Yeah. Carlos. I mean, you talked about status. This, I think, this was it was obviously a nice story for us when he first arrived. You know, is he going to go to the front of this queue? Um, and and he did. And by this stage, with well, this is March, this final, he hadn't scored. Um, 
from a direct free kick at that stage. So oh, that was his first you know, free his kick. Big showpiece thing. There was impatience. People were talking about it. Maybe Roberto Carlos should get a few more goals. Although at that stage, Roberto Carlos's hit rate was dubious. Maybe Figo would certainly have thought of himself that he should get more goals. Mm -hmm. The funny one about this, Zidane was really, really good at these. And I think possibly because he wasn't quite so pushy in the training ground or certainly on the pitch, probably got fewer chances. I mean, three months later, he'd score that free kick against England. Absolutely. So, yes, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, France recognised. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. but it, the, the names in that team are extraordinary. I remember seeing a little cartoon strip in an English newspaper or something around that time, and it was, um, you know, Ronaldo, Figo, Zidane. You know, the names just roll off the tongue, all gathered around and looking at Beckham, saying, "Oh, what's Phil Neville like?" You know, and 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 and, and, and this, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and it was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and it was, yeah. you know, when Beckham went there. I know we've mentioned Beckham a lot, but again, mm. being Englishman, that, that's only as natural, mm. I suppose. But to kind of go into that team and and the football they were playing, you know, Beckham talks about this in his autobiography, that the football they play for that kind of first half of the season or for seven, eight months, wh however long it sort of went on, was was quite incredible. But they did run out of steam. And and was this, the, I, I can't remember, and you'll remember better than me, was the cut final the moment where they did or was it? I, I think it was, the, it was a very conspicuous turning point. Absolutely, right. absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, so five minutes after Beckham's put them ahead, yeah. Savio got the equalise. Yeah. So, um, sorry, yeah, I should say. Yeah, Sa Savio That's right. gets the ball down the left, mm -hmm. chips the ball at the back post, and Danny lashes it in. Yeah, two former Madrid players, yeah. incidentally. I mean, there's a lot of former Madrid players about, but Savio had been, you know, quite a high status mm -hmm. player and, and possibly edged out in the whole Galactico thing. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's poor defending, it's poor marking, it's, it's an absence of a centre half. Uh, yeah. Solari so is back there. Well, and, and equally, I, I, I wonder if Roberto Carlos should have been picking up at the back post. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, but it's, yeah, it's a I'm not sure if that was in his job description. But well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who whose job description was it? That well, was the problem, wasn't this it? is, you know, Raul Bravo, a, a converted fullback, not very experienced, and Helguera miffed at, have, at being moved from central midfield, which he was very good at. He was a good centre half as well, but it was an emergency. Mm -hmm. Um square peg solution really yeah absolutely. so then Beckham hits the post with a with another free another kick, free kick. Yeah. Um, then just before half time Guti gets alongside David Beer, mm. brings him down penalty yeah. David Beer scores a penalty mm -hmm. and Zavagotha a 2-1 up at half time and I don't I mean I guess to to us now the idea of Zavagotha being 2-1 up against Real Madrid in a cup final seems absurd but they had won the cup three years before mm. and they'd won another cup Within the decade, hadn't they? So it was, uh, this That's was right. their third yes. in a decade. Yes, and, and, and actually, within a, uh, within a decade, they'd also been won the European Cup Winners' Cup. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah um, they were, they, you know, a, they were a, a, a good cup side. Yeah. yeah. Whereas Real Madrid hadn't won it in eleven years. Yes. Yeah. Um. I, in a way, I think you can look back and say that this Copa del Rey, because it was a you know a Galactico showpiece, I think changed the Copa del Rey a little bit. It was broadcast worldwide because it had Zidane, Figo. Beckham, etc., and uh, I think almost from that stage, the big boys in Spain started perhaps taking it a bit more right, seriously. A, yeah. There was a phase, I think, mm -hmm. in the '90s where it was a little bit, it was a little bit Carling Cup for yeah. Madrid and Barcelona. I, mean, I, I, yeah, I watched the highlights again this morning to, to refresh myself, and the, it was an a, a American program I was watching the, 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 the highlights from, and that whole thing was Real Madrid trying to win the first treble in their history. And you sort of think, ah, it's a, it's a, we sort of think of trebles as being yeah. a thing teams aim for now. 
but maybe this was the, the first time when you start to get the emergence of super clubs where that was actually a genuine thing you could do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, well, and, and I suppose for the, again, the, the club really trying to establish itself as a, as, a, as, a, as a world power, if you know what I mean. Because I suppose in the 90s, as you said, there, there, some sides had a global reach, but, you know, suddenly the internet's in everyone's mm. house. And, and well, I think that's an important point, that yeah. you know, the nature of media changes, which, which creates sure. the, the <coughs> environment which these super clubs can yeah. be, be super, uh, uh-huh. more super yeah. than they had been yeah. before. And the super club wants to win absolutely everything. Yes. Yes. And, you know, a treble is a resonant thing now. It's, you know, it's, it, it, it's a yeah. marketing object. Yeah, treble absolutely right. Yeah. Then two minutes after half-time, another free kick for Real Madrid. Roberto Carlos managed to miss the wall at last, pings it in the bottom corner. Keepers may be slightly slow to move, but possibly unsighted. I mean, we were just saying before, you know, before we began, if I believed Roberto Carlos had seen the space and drilled the ball there deliberately... Yeah. Then it's a brilliant goal. It's a tricky My one. suspicion is Roberto Carlos just hit the ball really hard somewhere towards the goal, and this time it it found the gap and went in. And a few handfuls of times it worked throughout his career. But it's a tricky one. Though. If you're a goalkeeper facing a Real Madrid free kick, you're thinking, well, oh, so been... many options. Yeah, well, so absolutely. Where do you yeah. stand? Where do, where do you stand? You know. So you can understand if it it might be a touch harsh on the keeper to say. Yeah. And and these two actually had, they did have some rituals. You know, they mm-hmm. were, Roberto Carlos was often there looming. You 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 know you you tend to think sometimes well. Is this something they've spoken about earlier? Or actually, are they arguing with each other who's going to get there first? Which, you know, <laughs> that certainly has happened in some cases. Um, but uh, it, it's interesting to listen to us talk. We, you know, we, we trust David, don't we? And Trevor, that every, all his free kicks were perfectly planned. And we think Roberto Carlos, well, he was a bit lucky there. That's the Beckham well, brand for a, you. Yeah, but there's a difference it's in how true. they take them. The Beckham was sort of clipping them. He had that very robotic, regimented technique, a sort of Johnny Wilkinson-style technique. Whereas the Bert Carlos, you know, I mean, he admits himself the, the famous goal in the Tonra yeah, was a fluke. fluke yeah. And then for all he talked immediately afterwards about, oh, I set the valve in the right place. <laughs> yeah. It was all nonsense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he just kicked it really hard. Um, so, you know, it's it's, it's quite a uh, aggressive game. A oh, lot yes, of tackles. Yeah, yeah. 16 yellow cards right, in the game. Yes, yeah. 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 Eventually, both teams yeah. get a man sent yeah. off. Um, yes, Kenny goes after just shortly after the hour. Sixty-seven, yeah. yeah, and then uh, Guti goes five minutes into extra time. Yeah, but and so you've got you've got half an hour of Zaragoza down to ten men yeah. against the Galacticos of Real Madrid. So what's going to happen? Well, that, that next, you know? yeah, watching him back, I was so surprised because the Roberto Carlos goal goes in as you say, sending off, and you think, okay. The, the 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 picture is 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 going to become the one that we all thought would would play out here, and of course it didn't. Yeah, and 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 I think um, you know you start you suddenly start to see Madrid looking really very tired mm. again, even against ten men, and yeah. that's that's where I I just think this was a turning point. In well, there's an interesting thing there as well that um, Kiera's only used one substitute. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, he brought on Portillo for um, Solari, mm. but the Galacticos are. Untouchable. You can't take them off. There's, there is that. There is that, and, and we certainly know that exists. Um, but th- I think there's also Kirosh saying, "I've looked at my squad, I've looked at my bench, and I'm sorry, tired old Lewis, you're going to have to carry on." <laughs> <laughs> but um, I suppose he, he surely though, when, once you've lost Guti, you bring Cambiaso onto short the midfield. Is that Cambiaso's status that season was? Very low, and I've I've never really understood why. He had a little bit of a phase at the beginning of the season where he was considered the the next best to Makalele, but for some reason, I've, you know, I'm sure other people would know better. He just didn't seem to 
to, to fit in with yeah. that. And then just to finish off what happens in the game, uh, eight minutes from time, so 112 minutes, mm. uh, one of Savgas' substitutes, um, Luciano Galetti, hits this sort of, kind of slightly odd sort of clipped curling shot from just outside the box, but he sort of bounces mm. uh, over Cesar Sanchez's hand. Yes, and he, it's the one. bounce that beats him, isn't it? Bounce beats him. Now, there's, there's a story there as well. They were using the the new Adidas ball, which uh. was because it was a federation event, which had just been launched in ahead of the European Championships that summer. So there was an awful lot of talk about this. Um, by an amazing coincidence, David Beckham, sponsored by Adidas, thought this ball was <laughs> absolutely terrific. Well, in fairness, his free kick gets in there. But so you've got three goals where the new ball is scrutinised. You know the two, the two free kicks, kicks and yeah, that. and 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 the Galetti shot, which does bounce, has seems to have a bit of a kick on it, doesn't it? I mean, he he hits yeah. it in a way it's, that it's the bounce nice is shot. not mm. not you know, No, it's not freakish, but yeah. it's it's pronounced, isn't yeah. it? Uh-huh. Um, I, and and that won the game. And and I I just I, I find it incredible. We were just saying moments earlier that that, that Real Madrid it, it was so much emphasis on attacking. Like it was all just we, we will outgun them. We will we will outscore them. But it, it was more reckless, as you say, when you describe that that back line and, and not having uh, going for the option of of, of Cambiasso. Did, did this result? Did it begin to change that? Because from the outside, I, I don't remember it having that effect, really. Well, it, it, it took a long time. I mean, I, mean, I, I remember um, during that game noticing that Guti was was losing his temper. Now, Guti was a little, it was quite a fiery player, very, very talented player. But uh, he was losing his temper. He was he was being asked to be Claude Makalele when really he wanted to be Zinedine Zidane. And he kept being the last line of defence. And he was losing his temper even before um, he got his second yellow card, and and that was that was that was the time afterwards that people said, "Well, why didn't you take him off?" He was he was getting ratty. He was getting tired. They were all really mm. tired. Um, and and Kay Rush said in in his slightly inscrutable and diplomatic way, he did say that he wasn't he, he wasn't clear about what alternatives there were. Um, in other words, the, the squad was too shallow. Yeah, I mean, um, Jonathan, from a tactical point of view, does he want to make you tear your hair out? Well, I, I still think that whole season is a very odd, it's a very odd mix. So Kieros is a, is a coach who pretty much everywhere else he's been, his football has been uber cautious. Mm. It's all been about whole possession. Don't risk losing the ball. You know, he was very successful with Iran doing that. Mm-hmm. You're playing possession football with Iran, even against teams from other confederations. Um, you know, Portugal the same, uh, is South Africa team the same? You know th- that's that's the way he plays football. It's a, I think it's a very um, Portuguese people of his generation recognise that as as a way of of playing. You know, his 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 his, his, his youth teams oh. um, of the you know late eighties early nineties, okay. they didn't you know they 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 didn't quite score as many goals as as their talent suggests they should, mm. and that was always Portugal's problem. And you know they every sort of said oh it's because they don't have a centre forward they're relying on Paleta. Well, it's also just the way Kiaros plays football. Mm-hmm. And so to, to, to take that very risk-averse style manager and give him the Galacticos, in, in one way, you think that's actually a brilliant fit because he's somebody who can defend without needing you know, classical defensive players. He can defend through possession. But on the other hand, he is somebody who applies a straitjacket that I think the vast majority of those Galacticos would not find comfortable. 
There was there was a tendency in that Madrid as well. So again, slightly counterintuitively, that that when they got into trouble, um, there were two people who who could rescue them. Neither of those two were here for that fine. The Beckham long ball or the Zidane long ball to Ronaldo. That you know that yeah. was a winner, and that was nothing to do with possession. That was yeah. you know, mm-hmm. straightforward. Um, and Casillas. Casillas really was miraculous in that era. Yeah, one can forget what an yeah. amazing goalkeeper is over the years. So. The, the slightly wider context, we, we touched upon it earlier, and you felt this was the turning point of the season for Real Madrid, this game. You know, when a barn burner of a game it was, but it changed the season because, as we say, in Real Madrid, they were the top of the league, they were playing superbly. Like four points clear at the top of the league as yeah, well, it wasn't. Clear. Yeah. And they finished fourth? Or they finished fourth. They lost. It was remarkable, really. Their last five games of the season, in which, almost as if it was scripted, a Galactico was sent off in each every single. <laughs> Figo was sent off against Barcelona, which I think everyone's been seeing, seeing coming for about three years. Sidan <laughs> um, was sent off, I think, at, at Depot. Mm-hmm. Beckham was sent off at, at Murcia. You were rubbish um, yeah. uh, for swearing at the linesman. Oh, so, yeah. in a sense, as as David often did, he he got some credit out of it because he'd been criticised for not speaking Spanish <laughs> very well. pero. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's Mali. Yeah, I mean, as you say, Figo in Barcelona makes sense. Zidane, we know he liked a red card. And uh, young David probably just thought, well, it seems to be the thing to do at the moment. You know, and try to integrate himself. But what it was, it was, you know, they were really frustrated and and, and they were running out of gas. And in the meantime, having knocked Bayern Munich out of the Champions League, which is is a feather in anyone's cap, they lost to Monaco, Mm. um, who, as we know, went on to reach the final. So the trophies were disappearing. They were running out of, of gas. And yeah, and, and the model wasn't working. They played a lot of games. And, and that's the other thing about the Copa del Rey being sort of squeezed into the first six months of the season. They had a heavy fixture list and they didn't have the chance to rotate. And if there was a key difference between them and Valencia that year under mathematical Rafa Benitez <laughs> with his rotations, you know, he, he, was, he paced everything superbly to stalk them at the end of the season. Yeah, and how has how that, that Real Madrid side looked upon now? Because we still can, can get a bit sort of starry-eyed with, as you say, you mentioned that midfield and so on, and it took Beckham, was it his final game in his third and that's last right. season yes, to, to yeah. win his only major yes, trophy. That's right. But I mean, that was a slightly um, odd tight lane because given they'd pretty much lost it by Christmas hadn't they and then they, they kind of yes and, and it was a cliffhanger at the end yeah. and, and I mean it was it was it, it, it was heroic in a way but it was ragtag oh you yeah. know it was oh, yeah. it was Rude van Nistelrooy yeah. just pressing and pressing and pressing till the end of the season David Beckham coming back from total obscurity Fabio Capello making uh, sometimes lining up uh, the three central midfielders who would be the very ungalactico, <laughs> two Diaras, La Sana and Mam- Mamadou, and I forget, anyway, somebody else who, who yeah. very well. Duty still? Or? No, far, no, far too fancy. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, so, so, how, so how, I suppose, how is that, that Madrid side um, looked upon now? Do people, do people remember them at all? Yeah. I mean, clearly, clearly, there's 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 reverence, obviously, mm-hmm. for Zidane, um, you know, because of what has happened in the his the next Real Madrid chapter mm-hmm. of his career. Um, Beckham is is remembered genuinely fondly because there was an appreciation that he was a hard worker. There was even some sympathy with him when when there was a row with Capello um, 
Capello marginalised him. And the president at the time said he's a half-baked actor. Oh, right. Which was not a reference, I think, to diving. It was to, to do with this whole Hollywood. Sure. Um, uh, I'm not sure how fondly remembered Figo is. He, he, he had some great moments, Figo, but he was always the ex-Barcelona player. And I'm not sure if he quite had a defining season or game that, that, that made him... And was there also... I mean, he, he, he didn't really hide very well the fact he never wanted to leave. Barcelona, yes, right? yeah. So <laughs> that presumably kind of affected his. Yes, his I think so. Yeah, yeah. He didn't make the right declaration saying this is what I've always wanted, really. I mm -hmm. was just masquerading. And, um, yeah. yeah. Um, he sort of ostracized himself from the Barcelona fans and then to perhaps a lesser extent, maybe the Real yeah. Madrid fans. You know, you know I, I, I sort of wonder looking back at that, given Makalele was so good at what he did, you almost think they, they didn't just need one player in that role, they needed two. And Makalele could could effectively be two players in the same way that Angola Kante effectively is two holding the field because he's so reads the game so well is so quick his stamina is so high but I mean do you think if Makaleli had been there had, uh, rather than Guti would that team have won things do you think I, I, I think they might not have that? lost that final I mean you, right. you know um, yes I do because you know all the evidence was that that that, e that before before phase two Galactico as it were Beckham and and Ronaldo, you know that they, they were, they were the European champions, um, and it, and it was working. And and you know Raúl, Raúl dipped a little bit actually when when Ronaldo came, a change of roles and so on. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think there was, or even if you'd been able to get Helgera Makalele, that would have been a really at the back and, of the field. And was a, a, a very effective double pivot, yeah. as they say. And mm -hmm. I mean, when when results start to go against them. Did people blame the Galacticus philosophy or did they blame the individuals or did they blame Kerosh or who was scapegoated for it? Um, there, w there was some criticism of the president, Florentino Perez, who, you know, who very much put his name and, he, and he, his money. And he left when? Um, he then resigned for the first time in 2006 and was coruscating about the spoiltness of the players, the entitlement. Um, he called them indolent. Um, but, you know, the system had rather indulged some of them. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, he came back with not entirely reformed instincts about how to build mm -hmm. a team and what the priorities were. But do you, I mean, is, is there something about Real Madrid that sort of encourages that? The fact that, they, you know, they're, they're the most famous team of, of the late 50s of De Stefano and Pushkas and Paco Hento and uh, Ramon Coppa. The, the fact that, yeah, they, they were Galacticos before the term was invented. Does that sort of condition the club to thinking that's, that's how you do it? That's how you dominate Europe? Uh, absolutely, and, and especially the Florentino era. Absolutely. This, in the, this collection on an annual basis of the best there is and put them together and see what happens. Um, and the subordinating of the role of the coach, you know, whose task is really to arrange these counters as best he can, and then leave it to them. And I, and I think, I, you know, I think Di Stefano has something to do with this. You had an absolutely dominant individual player who wanted to take command and um, believed in individual talent and also would have regarded himself as obliged to sort things out when they went wrong on the pitch um, and, and took orders very reluctantly mm. from, from a coach. And I mean, how how different do you think the situation is now to that of two thousand and four? 
I mean, my, my sort of feeling of it is that the Champions League, it seems, seems, sounds ridiculous to say of a team that's won four Champions Leagues in five years, mm. but that's kind of paid over the cracks. They've won two league titles in 11 years, which is their worst run since they first, since, you know, since they first won a, a title under Bernabeu's presidency in 53. So it, it feels to me as if all those old problems are, are still there. They haven't learned any, or Perez particularly, has not learned any lessons, but they've got lucky at the right moments or players have produced great moments at the right moments or opposing goalkeepers have done stupid things at key moments. Um, and so they've won all these Champions League slightly freakishly, but actually all these problems of 15 years ago are still there. Uh, absolutely. And um, um, one player in particular has 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 <laughs> seen them through in those, you know. Uh what Ramos or Ronaldo? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, Ramos is a is a good point actually because they do have that very combative center half that was missing in that first mm. Galactico, missing since Sierra basically. Yeah. Um and that did, that has been important. I mean, and for all his ills, he 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 has been a superb leader for Real Madrid. Um, the Spanish John Terry? I, I, I think he's a more talented player. Than <laughs> <that>. <laughs> but, Very um, diplomatic. Yeah, it, in a popularity contest. Yeah. Um, um, and, uh, and, you know, Ronaldo has, has sorted things out. But, it, the, but they are, as you say, they have been very much a knockout team in that era. Um, they, they haven't had the stamina to sustain doubles, um, to compete with Barcelona for most of that, most of those the last decade. But in the Barcelona team who seem to have been quite grumpy with themselves for four or five years. So they, yes, they don't yeah. feel comfortable in what they're doing, Barcelona. Mm-hmm, so. yeah. And and you still you still get these these conundrums. I mean poor old Rafa Benitez three, four years ago, um, had this same problem that that he you know, he was reluctant to field a defensive midfielder. Tony Cruz can do it, can't he? Yeah. Luca can do it. Mm. They can do it better with Casemiro, but <laughs> jo- Jose Mourinho didn't struggle to uh, play a more defensive mind. No, game. he didn't. No, <laughs> but, but I, I, I think, yeah. yeah, I mean, but the conditions for his him being allowed to do that, despite you know, as well as his own dogmas and status and of course. capacity to argue, were laid by the failure of mm-hmm. Galactico One. I think. Yeah, incredible. Mm. It, it, it's never boring at Real Madrid. Something we can all agree, uh, gentlemen. Uh, well, that brings us to the end. Um, of, uh, of this podcast but thank you very much Ian uh, amazing to, to talk about a game that one can easily forget you know so many um, finals and whatnot but yeah great to, to go over that one again um, but thank you uh, ladies and gentlemen for listening to the Blizzard's Greatest Games podcast brought to you by Outset Studios in South Wimbledon uh, we'll be back again uh, with another game from the history of football thank you Jonathan and uh, we'll see you next time